My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow. The flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. Attention patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality feeling better than you have in years and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns blood sugar levels and had a sense of well-being overall there's something that is changing thousands of people's lives and you could be one of them it's called heart and body extract sharon harris co-creator of heart and body extract talks about the positive effects of heart and body extract what happens with the formula heart and body extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins minerals amino acids enzymes and phytoplankton 
provide a nutrient so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic, but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. The new year, 2024, is almost upon us. It will be the 50th anniversary of the corporate organization of the National Alliance, as well as the 50th anniversary of my graduation from high school. As such, it inspires thoughts of where we've been, how we got there, and where we're going. 1,800 years ago, the Roman Emperor Aurelian first declared 25 December to be a state holiday, commemorating the solstice, the rebirth of what he called Sol Invictus, or the unconquerable sun. This is something that had long been sacred to Aryan peoples of many nations. Aurelian chose a specific date and made it official. He did this in hopes of establishing a new religious unity among Roman citizens. If you've been reading National Vanguard for more than a few years, you already know that the three holidays we have this time of year, one, the solstice, two, the day that the modern world calls Christmas and I call by the much more ancient name of Yuletide, and three, New Year's Day, are all really the same ancient holiday. The dates have been spread apart by a little more than a week. Because of calendar drift, 
The fact that ancient measurements suggested the sun stood still for several days, cultural amalgamation, and the simple human desire for separate or distinctive holidays for various and usually temporary reasons. Nevertheless, they are all essentially the same holiday, all ultimately deriving from the return of the sun to Europe and environs as it begins its upward arc toward the ancient Aryan homelands of the Northern Hemisphere. We are a sky-focused and horizon-focused people. Poor Aurelian, he and his holiday are seldom remembered now, even by residents of Orléans, France, and New Orleans, Louisiana, cities that bear his name. He was trying to renew religion within a society that had become culturally chaotic and less Roman with the coming of the years of empire a society where Middle Eastern cults and superstitions were gaining a foothold, a society where it seemed that just yesterday the timeless myths of Europe still inspired and had evolved into a poetic framework undergirding the greatest philosophical systems the world had ever seen. But within a single century, one Middle Eastern cult, a certain sect of the Jewish-derived cult of Christianity, would come to dominate Rome and all Europe, exterminate all the competing Christian cults, and even gain state and eventually superstate power. It closed the Aryan philosophic schools, banned our people's indigenous religions, and wiped out many centuries' worth of science, culture, literature, and art. The cult even hijacked December 25th, and Easter too, which originally had zero to do with Rabbi Jesus. When our people chose, or in many cases were forced into, Christianity, that was a stumbling off the path. For 1,700 years we've been going down the wrong path. A path far worse than a blind alley. A path that leads to death for our people. But what is the path, which Dr. William Pierce graced with a capital P, the right path, the upward path. No one denies that Christianity as it exists today, after it was somewhat Aryanized by being the dominant religion of Europe and more or less only Europe for many centuries, does teach some healthy values. It teaches responsibility and honesty. It opposes self-indulgence and degeneracy. It teaches kindness, though this requires ignoring large parts of the Bible. It teaches 
reverence for the family union. Again, they have to ignore some Bible teachings to do that, but they are masters at selective reading and doublespeak. Like all religions, it teaches that there is a higher purpose to our lives than mere material advantage. At times, it has even campaigned against the worst excesses of the Jews, our race's implacable enemies. But let's examine these good things more closely. Now, teaching responsibility and honesty is undoubtedly a good thing. But young people, especially the brightest young people, want to know why they are being asked to behave and believe in a certain way. All that Christianity can say is be responsible and honest because Rabbi Jesus says so. This is merely a way of avoiding the question, and the best and brightest people can see that. So such an answer is the beginning of disenchantment and possibly even depression for them. The correct cosmotheist answer is be responsible because our people are depending on you to more than pull your own weight so we can advance the next generation. One, to survival itself, and two, further along the upward path of understanding and upward evolution. You are a link in a sacred evolutionary chain that reaches the beginning of life at one end and life's great destiny at the other. You must be responsible so that our kind will reach that destiny. Your role is profoundly important. And you must be honest to all but our race's enemies so that your leaders and your fellow members of our cosmotheist and racial communities will be better able to apprehend reality as it truly is and not be diverted by lies away from their sacred mission, which is also your mission. When teaching young people to be kind, the Christian church makes no distinction whatever between one, helping those of our own folk who, through no fault or forgivable faults of their own, have fallen on difficult times, and two, helping aliens who want more resources to better facilitate the invasion and replacement of our own people. The correct cosmotheist teaching would very definitely make such a distinction and see helping hostile aliens as not kindness, but as a sin against life and the Creator, a horrible evil to help in any way those who seek to harm us, and thereby also depriving the deserving among our own folk. Young people 
would be stirred and inspired by such a teaching and would respect such truthful answers. When teaching young people to revere and respect the family union, once again the Christian religion can only justify said teaching by saying that Jesus said so. So don't be unfaithful, don't neglect your spouse or your children, and do your duty with respect to them. We cosmotheists say to young folks, the family is sacred as it is the institution upon which our community is built. Through the family, new generations are born and raised. Without it, we could not even possibly exist. Without it, no upward evolution is possible. The future of our community, and in part of all Life literally depends upon you and your future spouse and your children. Your joy of love is sacred because it leads us to our future. Do not fail in this. You must not fail. And the Christian makes no distinction between a marriage between a white man and a white woman, which has the potential to create part of the next generation of our folk, and a quote-unquote marriage between a brown Filipina or mestiza and a white man, or the quote-unquote marriage of a white woman and her subsequent coupling with a non-white male. The churches even bless and hold sacred such unnatural unions, which produce no white children and further blur the distinctions which nature's God has made and is still making between the races. Likewise also with admonitions against degeneracy. The Christians, having no real overarching reason to condemn, say, homosexuality, except the Bible says we mustn't, are increasingly abandoning their opposition to sexual perversion, much to the happiness of Jews, who not only viscerally delight in all that is perverse and profanes the sacred, but who also see it as a most excellent way to prevent white births. Cosmotheism, on the other hand, teaches our young folks that their natural sexual instincts are good, even holy, and that they have deep purposes. The creation of new white souls, the bond of a man and woman to face life together and be part of our community together, and all the joys that that brings, and are not to be trifled with, not to be commercialized, not to be cheapened, and not to be perverted into other channels. Furthermore, all such teachings of the Christian churches depend on the authority of a Jewish 
rabbi, who gets his authority from the Jewish tribal God, who we are told is also the one true God of the universe to the exclusion of all others. Thus, even the increasingly rare Christian churches who dare to question the policies of our Jewish misrulers always hold back to some extent. They dare not openly declare Jehovah's people to be our enemies, though such a statement is 100% true, because they also consider themselves to be Jehovah's people. With microscopically small exceptions, they see Jews as somehow especially holy and special and deeply connected to their shared holy book. This spiritual and mental slavery really is a huge impediment, probably the greatest impediment, to our people properly taking up the fight against those who are trying to kill us as a race. And along with all of these other deficits, Christianity also requires us to believe in things that are palpably not true, like 90% of the tales in the Hebrew Bible on which it is based. This leads to a stunting of mental growth among millions of our folk who have become hopelessly superstitious Jew worshippers, largely due to childhood inculcation with Bible teachings. Among some even quite intelligent folk, the contradictions between Bible truth and observed reality can lead to actual mental derangement. Among millions more, it leads to institutionalized hypocrisy, on a gigantic scale, with decent citizens feeling they must pretend to believe in nonsense just to avoid the horrific anarchy, crime, and terminal social instability that might accompany disbelief among the masses. Like hundreds of millions of European-descended people born after the Renaissance, I too realized as I became a man and became familiar with the discoveries of science that the Bible, in the light of what we knew about history and about the universe, could not possibly be true. This hard and difficult truth desperately needs to be known by our people so they can begin to find a better way. Thus, the organized atheists and agnostics and skeptics do us all a good service when they show us how ridiculous the Abrahamic religions are. But the atheists and agnostics and skeptics do us, on average, there are exceptions, a disservice when they give us as a substitute for the Abrahamic creeds either nothing, 
which leads to such dead ends for our people as libertarianism, the Jewish Ayn Rand's objectivism, anarcho-capitalism, and the like, or give us just a vague faith in doing good or helping others, or a confused humanism, or an even more confused communism, all of which are essentially just Christianity without miracles and without Rabbi Jesus. And none of the futures to which they lead us are ones in which white people survive. And that is the key to everything. Cosmotheism gives truthful answers to frank questions from the questing souls of young white men and young white women. We give answers that deserve and receive respect. We offer purpose for their lives. Purpose that inspires for a lifetime. Purpose that banishes despair. And we help them cast off the mental blinders and spiritual chains of doctrines that preach equality. Doctrines that teach them that there is nothing special about them. That they, in fact, are the most evil and worthless people that ever lived. Or are, at the very least, wretches who need to be saved by a Jewish Messiah. We teach them the opposite of that. We teach them that they are indeed very special, the most precious people on this planet, people who are especially needed if the Creator's purpose is to be fulfilled, people without whom there would be nothing. And that is not only the exact truth, but it is also the message that young whites need to hear. Start telling it every chance you get. I will be continuing this important message next week in my first program of 2024, right here on American Dissident Voices.
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible, ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. Team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco's Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness. Despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers, he stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon de Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Oh,